Hey, Brandon. Hey, Alan. And welcome to Dice Over Everything, the Miniatures Gaming Podcast. So, as a cultured person, you of course know there's a correct way to cut a grilled cheese sandwich, right? Yep. But sometimes when I'm bad, I, I just like to cut it differently. Uh huh. Or or not cut it at all. You just just lazy. No, no, I'm not. I'm not a savage. Of course, oh, I okay. cut it. Okay. But you know what? That's a good point. Maybe I should try one time not cutting it. Because one of my complaints about so so the reason why we're talking slightly about this is because I hadn't had a grilled cheese in a long time, and mm-hmm. uh, I ate one. I, well, I had some sourdough left over, and I was like, "Oh, I'll make some uh, grilled cheese sandwich with this." And uh, sourdough is way too heavy, and it tastes terrible. Like so, it's just, it just does not work. If you're going to make a sour, like a, a grilled cheese sandwich, do not make it with sourdough. The, the bread has to be light and fluffy so that it doesn't overpower the oozy goodness of the cheese. So sometimes creativity doesn't work. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I guess I have to buy some white bread. And so, you know, I went out and bought, of course, fancy white bread because I'm fancy like that. Uh, and I made my grilled cheese sandwich. And I have to say, like, this is like one of the things I hadn't had in a super long time. It is just as good as I remember. In fact, it's a little bit better because <laughs> so you became a better cook. Yeah, I've become a better cook. I don't burn my grilled cheese sandwiches all the time, although I did burn it one time. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> because after I ate it and it was so good, I went out and I bought an entire loaf of white bread. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm having grilled cheese uh, every day. And so far, it's been amazing. The last thing I did was go out because I ran out of my block of cheese mm-hmm. of Monterey. So I then went and bought two different cheeses, Swiss and Gouda. And then I cut them in half so that I have double cheese, you know, the double cheese grilled sandwich. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. Okay. So, so, so I'm getting more fancy now, more and more fancy progressively. So you, you do cut it the correct diagonal way though, right? Yeah. Today I cut it diagonally. I did try out cutting it sideways, like, straight down the middle just to see if it's different yeah it's okay i don't i don't know i think actually the best thing is to not cut it at all i'm thinking actually just be a savage just jam in your mouth uh-huh. yeah so so here's the thing what i think is the best thing to do is you 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 i'm gonna try it next time so it's you know this is my training and i've been eating it every day so you know like by the next podcast i'll probably have more things and we can talk about more of it uh but i was thinking actually what you should do for eating if it's if it's one grilled cheese sandwich if you're gonna eat the whole thing right oftentimes you might share it you have other things right but if you're eating it all yourself instead you have your uh grilled cheese sandwich and you cut off the crusts after and then you have some sort of dipping sauce and you dip the because the, the, the crust will have some cheese on it so you dip the cheesy crust into the dipping sauce something like a Butter, like a ranch. I had a, I had a spinach dip. Okay. I had a spinach dip actually, or, or maybe some baba ganoush or something like that and dip it in there or, or hummus. And then you have that, you eat the crust and then you just have a giant, like no crust grilled cheese portion. And then you eat that, or you can eat it first if you cut it off. So that's my next attempt. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how it goes. So clearly you're willing to make drastic changes to things just, just for the experiment of it. Of course. But here's the thing. You can always go back. If it doesn't work, just like I tried to cut it straight, straight through, uh-huh. it didn't work. So I went back to the try tested and true diagonal cut. That's, that's true. Like, I think bringing this back to games is sometimes when rules editions change, some people just stay behind. Yep. 
And so our uh, question uh, related to that is, um, how much can you actually change uh, a game uh, from edition to edition before it actually breaks? Yeah, before people just give up and don't don't keep going with it. They're like, this isn't my game, I'm out. Yep. So, so I think, should we start, should we go through examples? Should we go theoretical? Like, how do you want to? Well, let's go overall, let, let's, let's go theory, theoretical first. When you think about your grilled cheese sandwich or your game, or your mm -hmm. delicious thing, right? You're going back to it. Uh, and then, you know, like, you know, this game, why, why do they even change games during game editions? Or what are the different types of changes that they can do? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing happens when rules just start becoming broken and players have, like they've introduced new rules or they've introduced new models that just don't work with the rule sets anymore or they've just found flaws in the rule set. I think mm -hmm. that's the very most basic reason that rule changes come about. <clears throat> Mm, so you're thinking about something like Frostgrave Second Edition. Well, Frostgrave Edition is a little different. I didn't think we're going to go right into like actual examples, but Frostgrave I saw as accumulating lots of like tweaks through. I wouldn't call them errata they released, but they kind of function like that in expansions they released, and then realized there were better versions of the rules, and then amalgamated them to create a Second Edition. So you could have been playing Second Edition almost by using certain elements that came out after, but it basically was a, a cleanup and a tie together of tests. Is that, that not though what you're saying, right? Like players figure things out, they figure what's broken. Yeah, and so you have to go in and tidy things that up. Was, that wasn't just players figuring out things weren't working. That was them like creating fixes and then it, then just making them official. Which I guess you could but see. No, there were there was a lot of spells, right? A lot of spells. It's not just like the errata and everything's like that and changing the base rules, but there's a lot of spells that that after you know lots and lots of playtesting afterwards, he's he uh, Joe McCullough, the guy who created Frostgrave, uh, decided to go through all the spells uh, and through the feedback and playtesting, uh, remove the spells that were not used or modify them. Uh, either remove them entirely or modify them so that all the spells are much more useful, right? That is true. That was one of the biggest changes to the edition was the spells getting revised because eventually after even we played for a while, we figured out, well, it didn't take very long to figure out what spells were broken good. So Like Leap? Yep. It doesn't take very long to figure out Leap is like one of the best, if not the best spell in the game. That if the game is around getting treasure and you can just disappear with the treasure using one of the particular spells... Then maybe that yep. one's a little too good. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, also telekinesis. Yep. They had to get dialed back. So you couldn't just, some guy couldn't get treasure and you just like. Just drag all the treasure towards you. Drag yep. the treasure to you without having to fight it out. Yep. So yeah, that's basically, I think that's the main reason is the player, once it gets more play testing, certain mm -hmm. things are found to just be broken or certain yeah, things yeah. are found to be not used because they're too. Mm -hmm. They're just too weak and it's just sort of a rebalancing. Mm -hmm. So at, players are usually very supportive of those forms of changes because the players have basically come to the consensus rather than uh -huh. the game developers actually realizing it on their own. So it's essentially yep. just putting in feedback that's come from the player base and then players are usually quite appreciative when that happens that their official version yep. is now what they like. Yeah, exactly. Because I think one of the, the things, you know, our game, our, our hobby is very, very, uh, what do you call it, social and, and, and community oriented. And so when you're 
playing games though with a stranger, it becomes a lot harder to get the, get buy-in for changes that you want to put in, right? So let's say we we talk, we talk about Frostgrave, right? We had a group uh, that realized that Leap was too strong, so we had put our fix into the into our hobby group, right? But if you have a new person coming into the hobby group, or you're playing a new person, right? Uh, then you have to to make sure or see if they agree for you to implement that. Otherwise you just have to play it on the default way, right? Because that's the generally socially accepted idea that you play by the rules, right? If you don't have a, a community buy-in. Yeah. And, you have to, and then anyone, anytime anyone new comes in, you have to go through the whole debate about why those changes were made. It's just a lot of yeah. like a lot of energy spent to yeah. keep, keep your meta working. Yep. So to have these, uh, you know, the game developer, right, the come in and, and make those things official is a big deal for the community, right? It allows people to come in from outside of your, you know, group and play seamlessly with you and thereby extend the community, right, to a larger, larger pool because you have a shared experience and a shared, shared understanding of what game you want to play, right? Mm-hmm. So it's great for expanding that out. Yeah, so I can see that as being the best reason, and usually that that gets pretty good uptake by the players. Mm-hmm. There's the other reason, I guess, additions change is that I guess the game drops off because it's become stale, mm-hmm. or just the or the game developer doesn't like see themselves being able to sell enough stuff that the game's reached a point where it's. I guess it's kind of stale, so the people bought the models they want. <coughs> Games Workshop! <coughs> Warhammer oh, Fantasy yeah. said, cough, cough. Oh, yeah, it's built into the freaking model. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But just that they don't see themselves making the sales they need, so they have to basically make changes to get the sales going again. Yep. So a new edition comes it's out. Just Yep. It's just a, an idea for a sales bump. It's basically like, mm-hmm. I don't know, marketing, free marketing right there are negatives positives and negatives all of these things though right like when they change it up uh they have a risk though of alienating people and that is what we're going to be talking about right Uh, specifically when they change things up to keep things like you said new and interesting that can end up making people be upset especially if they don't really see anything wrong with the previous edition right yeah, if they're still if they're still enjoying it, and then the rules just change, and it's not anything people were asking for, and there's things that people just don't like as well. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely true. Is there any other major reasons uh, for addition changes? Oh. Those are the two main ones, really: cleaning things up, ones. revitalizing it to for marketing and making people more interested. There's there is the more. I, this doesn't happen very often, but the game makers could just do something that they feel there's a better version of the game that exists. Uh-huh. Well, and they haven't, it hasn't been explored. People haven't asked for it, but they're just like, there could be a better version of this game out there. This is, this is very yeah. not, yeah. not, yeah. not the safe way of doing things, but they're just like, okay, we could, we could overhaul everything and make something newer and more interesting and better. But nobody's, the players haven't asked for it and the game's doing okay, but they figure they can actually bring the game to a better place by doing this. So. Yeah. And then, so they, they basically, in some ways, often it's like very different Mm -hmm. and 
the change is basically in some ways kind of tricking the audience into trying out your new game by calling yeah. it the same thing. Yeah, so I think that doesn't, that doesn't actually usually happen. What they really do when it's a new game is they just release a new game through the yeah, same publisher. And yeah. maybe often, even if it's in the same setting, right? It's just a new game in the same setting kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they don't get rid of the game. They're just like, here, go buy this yeah. other thing. Yep. So, that's so an example really... of the first one is like Kill Team 1 versus Kill Team 2. And an example of the second one is Company of Iron versus War Machine. Mm-hmm. So, and we can go through all those things. All right. So I think those are the three, three things that kind of encompass most of the things. Of course, there's probably a million other smaller reasons, but I feel like you're right. These are the three main ones, especially number two, which I think is actually the main reason. But mm-hmm. let's get to it. All right. So some examples of games and what we think about what yes. they were trying to do and whether they, they managed sure. to achieve it. So, so let's totally be unbiased and go through... Uh, our favorite game, oh, it's just Infinity. Our... Yep. So they came up with the fourth edition, and for mm-hmm. about around a year ago. Yep. And it was, I think, a lot of the feedback about the game. This is one I would call this an example of where the game maker was getting feedback, mm-hmm. and they basically took the feedback. So the biggest feedback about the game was it was becoming the rule set was incredibly complicated. Mm-hmm. So they cut out rules. Yep. They didn't cut out models so much. There was a few that went away. Very few, though. Uh-huh. But they basically cut down some of the complexity of the rules yep. and they cut up some of the writing of the rules, which couldn't have been done just within the same edition. Yep. And removed a lot of the things that were extraneous, I think, that were added just because someone thought it was cool. Uh-huh. And they're like, actually, we have enough cool things in the game we don't need little tiny things that just make things that are corner cases that happen one in a thousand games that matter like we just need the core rules to be clean and easy to easy to learn uh well no, it's not easy to learn but easier to learn and also so more uh straightforward like if you know the base of the game you should the, the most obvious way the rule should work should be how it works, as opposed to every single different kind of rule having a, uh, its own exceptions, right? And its own weird way of working. Yeah, and there were a lot of nested rules before where one rule would encompass like three other rules. But now they just broke it all out. So when you read, read what a unit has, you can just go look at those rules rather than having to sort of go through the Wikipedia from one entry to another to finally figure out. Yeah what the the thing written on the unit actually means so they took they took a bunch yep. of feedback and created a new edition and people liked it because as we said as version as option number one for why a new version exists it's usually player yep. driven so do you think that there could be a danger though in what they did they also ended up about rebalancing a bunch of things and they did change two, uh well at least one rule significantly Right, there's a couple of, of, of ones, but the one major one is critical hits. Mm-hmm. Right. And they changed that rather significantly. Also, the other one that's changed significantly is hacking, right? Yeah. Now it has the same kind of thing, but just the way that it works and the way that the hacking and status effects uh, uh, stay mm-hmm. um, has changed significantly. Do you think there was a risk of alienating people with those changes? Do you remember the hubbub around critical hits? Yeah, I think that was one of the things people weren't asking for. 
that's where they they took a risk and they probably play tested and saw that mm-hmm. how it changed the game people appreciated where it made armor more useful in the game and people like oh i, I like don't know if that. nobody's asking for that though because if you look so at their satirical self video they literally have a scene where a guy goes critical hit and then smiles and the other guy just has deadpans like a look of death stare Mm-hmm. Right, so they knew that the critical hit thing was too brutal, especially on super high armor targets. Right, yeah, they knew that people were upset that high armor targets were kind of crummy, and the big reason that because they didn't perform well was because critical hits. Yeah, it's it actually it. surprising that, like, how much of a difference that made, right? Because everyone looked at armor and uh, it was way too expensive to for like a guy with heavy armor was way too overcosted for how good the armor was. Yeah, but then it was because the critical hits not just well, they could have made it cheaper, was, but yeah, well, no, they did they did both, right? So they made armor cheaper, uh, and so all of the heavy armored guys came way down, right? Anyone with lots of armor had is lower in price. Um, but the critical hits, surprising how much of a difference that actually makes, right? When you think about the odds and everything like that, you're like, wow, actually, it does happen quite a lot that you know no matter how much armor if a critical hit oh by the way the rule that the old rule was if you if you do a critical hit you do a wound without having to do armor saves and then the new one is you have to do armor saves so <laughs> which means armor matters again yeah 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 but you get twice as many hits so mm-hmm. you get twice the hits but they, they get armor saves so sometimes it's better but usually it's well if you have heavy armor it's worse if you have mm-hmm. light armor it's it's sometimes better Yep. So that was that was a response to community feedback as well. So yeah. people liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just the solution wasn't um, what people demanded. It's just a solution to a problem. Mm-hmm. So the other thing is though that I think one thing that I would like to talk about is the. So we did say they did a bunch of, of changes. They cleaned up a bunch of points profiles. They cleaned things up. You know, the cleaning thing almost like it's almost like house cleaning. Nobody is like, how dare you clean up your game. Right. Mm -hmm. Assuming you didn't majorly mess up and you actually are cleaning up, like it's almost always good. Right. The other thing, though, although there are some changes that we we can talk about later where some people complain about house cleaning. Um, But besides the critical hits, right, in terms of the core systems, right, you can also dodge, right, and move and, and move dodge during active. There's a bunch of things that. Uh, ended up mattering but like um one thing they didn't change which i was surprised at was link teams yeah so i think how this fits into the topic though is that maybe they thought the player base wasn't willing to handle too many changes at once so maybe maybe they understood this topic and be like oh if we change too much and if people people weren't demanding as much about link teams i know we have strong feelings about it but the yeah, overall yeah. player base link teams suck in the overall player base, I think, was enjoying building weird link teams, which basically give bonuses to guys and make mm-hmm. certain things more viable. And people kind of were enjoying exploring how they could like min max things by using the fire team rules. So they may not have wanted to do too many changes at once with that addition and to play it safe and just to stick with what people asked for and then bring about a more, more change, like in two parts. So, yeah, you, th- there is some credence to that. Um, because they mentioned right when N4 launched that linked, they were going to work on link teams, but they just had not, they decided 
not to do it at that time, mm-hmm. right? Because here's the thing. It might have, on the other hand, just become being natural because uh, link teams required a huge change, right? Yep. And they were saying, you know, they, they didn't necessarily have enough time to, to overhaul link teams. So it might be just serendipitous, right? But, but also related, right? Too many changes at one time can disrupt the game and the player base. Um, but, uh, it also too many changes also makes it very hard for you to play test and get it right. So mm-hmm. they, it looks like, because it's like the same root cause, but their decision-making might've been different. I feel like their decision-making might've just been like, we don't have enough time to play test and make link team, make sure that the change is right. So we're going to wait before we release it. Yeah. It falls into the category of don't, don't make changes for changes sake. If you really don't want to damage the game. Yep. And so because of that, though, it kind of correlates with the fact that, you know, by by not doing it immediately because they didn't have enough time, they also did not change the game so much that it threw people off too much. And just and and the people who were part of the old game didn't have enough time to adapt. Right. Yeah. So now it's an easy stepping stone. Because if people were buying models and painting them up specifically to build weird fire teams that the N3 allowed, third edition allowed, that they might have been alienated by being like, oh, these models don't work the way I built them to work. Oh, I'm upset. I'm going to make complaints about the changes. I'm going to put bad publicity on the web. I'm going to stop playing because they took away my models. Even though Infinity is a skirmish game and you just like, you only painted three models probably to do this thing. <laughs> yes. Which, if, you ever, if you're a Warhammer. But once, once you, yeah, but once you become uh, addicted to skirmish games, that you become acclimated to that. And those three models are so much more effort. I know. They're like, they're a huge part of your army. Anyhow. Yep. So, so that they may have had that thinking behind yeah, that. And Just don't, don't screw things up. Yeah. I guess don't rock the boat too much for these people, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, and here's the thing, you know, it's been what a year or more later, and they're going to now release new link team rules. Right? Mm-hmm. So do you think that the new link team rules, like they haven't come out yet as of, you know, this podcast, mm-hmm. do you feel like those link team rules now also like during this period of time, we've been in lockdown. So the question is, do you feel like these link team rules have a possibility of, changing too much and chasing people away like if someone really liked link teams because i don't know why uh like i they're just bad right the way that they're implemented now um but if they really like those do you think just the fact that it's new and different might scare them away even if the link teams were actually a good rules are the new link team rules so i think they'll be able to ride the wave of positivity that's come out from the fourth edition so it's basically people are primed to be like, yeah, the changes were good. And so when they see the next changes, they're expecting the changes to be good, even though like they may change the game a lot, they'll go in, I think, continuing their positive impression. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, and so, yeah, so, <laughs> so you think Corvus Belly has, has earned goodwill enough to make these changes and to prove to like that, that the community trusts them enough mm-hmm. to make a larger change, like the LinkedIn role. Yeah, I think people will go in with an open mind 
And and here's the other thing. I think we talked about this before that Corvus Belli generally does iterative changes, right? So we don't think that they're going to make a huge change. Like here's something that could happen, right? That they're definitely not going to do, but that could be balanced for uh, for sectorials, right? Because link teams are a bonus to sectorials. And the point is to allow your team to look like it's more focused, right? And ability yeah, to do things. Sectorials are basically you could literally teams. just give them six extra coordinated orders. And that would simulate, you know, the better thing or whatever, how many you need, seven. Yeah, for those, for those right? who don't play Infinity, like sectorials are basically a themed list that's a portion of a whole faction that kind of fits into the fluff. Yeah. So by using a, a um, limited selection of, of models to build your list, you get a bonus uh, and that is linked teams mm-hmm. and, and some AVA. So availability, you can take more of certain units, right? And so... You could, in terms of just game balance, just instead of allowing link teams being built, you could give them coordinated or like enough coordinated orders to balance things out. Because coordinated orders are this thing that allows your guys to be more coordinated, right? Like they can activate together or they can reroll roles when they're trying to do certain things, right? It's actually a very powerful resource. And you could give, you know, sectorials enough to make it worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. But we're both pretty sure they're not going to do that because they understand that even if it was balanced for the game, it is too much of a change to something that the player base likes that they would not, even if it's balanced and even if overall it makes a better play experience, it's, mm-hmm. it's too different from what people are expecting. And so they wouldn't do it. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you can see. I'm very biased, right? Like that to me would be the best way to do it, huh? in my opinion, right? Because the game is already super complicated. Well, right? but like, like you're like you said, you're willing to put ranch on your grilled cheese, so you're willing to go anywhere. Grilled cheese crust. I wouldn't mm-hmm. put it on the main part. The point is, you cut the that's, crust off. That's actually quite a bit eat. like. That's quite a bit like them offering like dipping sauces for your crust of pizza. They, yeah, exactly. Anyway, mm. see, there's long- precedence, man. Pizza's been Maybe around a marinara sauce. Or... It, took a, it took a long time for pizza makers to figure out you need dipping sauce for your crust. <laughs> yeah, it makes it so much better. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so um, I think that shows like a, that, that Corvus Belli is very cognizant actually of this kind of thing, of changing things too much. Yeah. And and so they have been quite successful in doing this. So I think I think basically it's a good hands. Mm-hmm. So, so moving on from Infinity, I think I do want to talk about another game where the maker was willing to do a complete shock to the system, which Corvus Belli is not willing to do, and that would actually be Games Workshop. And it's true. I think they succeeded with the shock to the system. It's the change from there being Warhammer Fantasy to huh? Age of Sigmar, and I think they succeeded at the shock to the system because they just killed the old version and wouldn't sell it to you. <laughs> Yes, and cultivated in many ways an entirely new uh, game group. Yeah, because the number game... of people that fell off, like where where a number of you know, like 
Age of Sigmar, Warhammer Fantasy, were both lifestyle games. As in, like, if that's your your hobby and that's the game you play, mm-hmm. that is the only game you play. You don't look at other, the, these other games. You don't dabble in other stuff. That is the main thing. That's your hobby. Yeah, painting up an army for either one of those is a huge commitment. They're both they're both fantasy armies, so you're not going to be painting mm-hmm. something else fantasy. And you're painting yeah. up, like, 100 guys to start with. So you're, you're in for a big commitment there. So, like, call that a lifestyle game. Yep. Yep. So my question is, I guess this is slightly controversial because uh, Warhammer Fantasy and Age of Sigmar do not, are they're different games. They're entirely different games, right? They're only the same games in a couple of ways. They use the same line of miniatures from Games Workshop, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the same line, but actually a huge portion is replaced. Yep. Uh, The idea is that this is like the next generation. So like Story-wise, there is a tenuous link between the old world and Age of Sigmar. Mm-hmm. The Age of Sigmar fluff is the old world was destroyed and mm-hmm. Age of Sigmar came to take its place, which is like just following their marketing and their internally what happened, right? <laughs> They're like, yeah. anyone that's working on Warhammer Fantasy, you're now working on Age of Sigmar, right? And so uh, the, the fluff kind of follows that. But the fluff, because of that, it's a new universe and everything like that. Um, it's an entirely different setting and game with some tenuous grasp. Yeah, so with Games Workshop, a lot of their games, like the fluff matters quite a bit and the advancement of the fluff matters quite a bit. And they realize it's a hobby, right? These are lifestyle hobby games, right? It's not just the game playing. And in fact, it's mostly not game playing. Yes, game playing is the least important part of the thing that Games Workshop sells. Oh, yeah, putting your cool army on the board is the game. Like, yeah. It's a mass fantasy battle game, like any mass battle game. It's just about what you put on the board. Like the rules can't suck too much. Otherwise you're like, oh, this is no fun. I just yeah. lose. Game. Yeah. So like the rules can be meh, but they, they did all the rules enormously as well. Like they didn't just be like, oh, yeah. here's the same system with new armies. I think that would have bothered people. It's like, oh, you just forced me to buy a new army. But instead, like they simultaneously just like, did that for a lot of them though. It's also very true. They have a habit <laughs> real sense and just like trashing them for the sake of trashing them but i think people like liked the new rules for age of sigmar once they once they got around to it um yeah but i think i think it basically i actually would argue that they did not succeed so this is a huge change right the setting changed the uh, half of the the models changed the game entirely changed. It used to be a rank and flank, and now it's it's like a blob game, right? There's a huge different changes to this game system, right? Uh, the game, like, all the way through, right? The least change is the miniatures, but it was still half changed, right? The fluff changed, like, like, so... But they lost a lot of people, actually. And I would argue that the change only worked because it was games workshop and it was literally like games workshop decided to release a new game yeah because and point- they had to build a lot of it up from the ground up and they lost a lot of their player base and now this new player base is coming well people are coming back or playing this new game basically right because they killed the previous game like you said they just shot it in the back of the head and so and you couldn't get it it was unavailable you can't buy the rule books or anything they're not updating it and all of those people fled, right? The people that played the Games Workshop thing, like a lot of them fled. 
And then a lot of them decided to, as their new game, they all had to choose new games, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people as their new game decided to choose Age of Sigmar because they liked Games Workshop, because they liked the models that they released, right? And they like fantasy, they like large fantasy battle games. So yep. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it necessarily worked considering how many years people did not play Age of Sigmar. Just a lot of them were just out of principle, right? They're former fans, right? Mm But the big thing is, like any kind of, of, of uh, I don't know, game release, uh, there was a lot of money and quality in terms of setting and uh, miniatures that went into this game that kind of built them, made it a premier game, right? Like if Age of Sigmar, if, here's the thing, they're bringing back the old world, right? But if you were to compare the old world versus Age of Sigmar, I think Age of Sigmar really, really will outsell in general the old world because of the aesthetic. Oh, yeah. That, the, aesthetic, the aesthetic's really cool, I think. I'm not willing to yeah. build the giant army, but I really think the aesthetics they've yeah. chosen. Yep. Yeah, I think the worst aesthetic actually is the, uh, the golden guys. What do you call them? Yeah, the Sigmarines. The Sigmarines. Yeah. Those guys are the worst. But a lot of their other armies, their quote-unquote, I don't know, I'm thinking 40K Xenos armies, they're non, like, they've, they decided to make an entirely brand new army be their poster boys, which I think, which is kind of weird because Warhammer Fantasy never used to have a poster boy, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they had, I guess you could say it's the Empire, but not really, right? No, so they, they weren't that flashy, so you didn't really... yeah. But then they decided in terms of marketing to, to center, because it worked so well in uh, Warhammer 40,000, they decided to center one faction. And since there was no faction that, I guess, des- they thought deserved centering, they decided to create a new one that is basically just like Space Marines in fantasy. Yeah, because they can only create so many new armies at once and put out so many models. <laughs> so they, had to, they had to start yeah. some. So, so I don't know. In my opinion, I think this is actually, it didn't work. I think it... No, it's spawned. It's spawned. I think the only reason it worked is because Age of Sigmar is a decent game with, with a large, a large backing of quality behind it. Yeah, and people didn't have as many places to go at that point. Like back then, Warlords of Erlewan wasn't there. Kings of War wasn't as developed as it was. Mm-hmm. Kings and, of War actually got bigger because of that. I know, but it wasn't at the. It wasn't hadn't like developed to the point where it has now. Like Kings of War. The second edition is a pretty flushed out game with all the factions. I think there's a third edition they're on now. Third edition, there we go. Yeah, so yeah. it's like it's advanced. It has its own story and fluff now. I think mm-hmm. before second, before third edition, the Kings of War did not have the world was basically generic fantasy world, right? Mm-hmm. And so third edition, they decided to flush things out more, right? To draw people in. And, and that's the kind of thing that I think made Age of Sigmar succeed is that I think that makes it it's a much better place now and why why I think you know it will do better than uh than the old world and I think it's because it is less generic it is interesting and it it has been in many ways I don't know more interesting and more different and diverse in a way that you want for uh, miniature games, right? You want your factions to be very, very distinct in miniature games, and I think that really works with of Age of Sigmar it, more than uh, the old world, which was much more generic in terms of 
the models and the characters, right? Yeah, if they want to be able to sell things, selling generic fantasy miniatures, like anyone can sell the players those miniatures. So yeah, I guess maybe they realized that and they sort of jumped ahead of it and then did it for marketing purposes. Maybe the yeah. people didn't want it who are mass fantasy battle players, but for marketing reasons, I guess it may have succeeded yeah. on that on the sales. And base. here's the thing. Games Workshop also has the granddaddy in terms of generic fantasy, the the fantasy that was fantasy before it was generic. They have the Middle Earth Lord of the Rings miniatures game, right? And actually, the Lord of the Rings miniatures game is very good. I don't know. I feel like I feel like there's some internal turmoil where where like Games Workshop refuses to push uh, Lord Lord of the Rings the game. Oh, because yeah, they don't. they don't want it to outshot it to Sigmar or something. Yeah. On Warhammer community, they ignore it. When they put out press releases, they ignore it. But like it's they have there. so few resources on it. They don't even release, they don't maybe this is a licensing thing, but they don't make internal art for Warhammer for their, their Lord of the Rings. If their books had beautiful art, like in the fantasy flight Lord of the Rings stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the game would be doing so much better. But as of right now, maybe it's a licensing thing where they only have Lord of the Rings because of uh, the movies. So maybe it's some movie license as opposed to like uh, the source material license, which means that they can't sell it as well. That might be it, honestly. Maybe that's the only reason they were able to do Hobbit stuff is because the Hobbit movies came out. And they can't even create their own new stuff to fit into the world. They're like, no, you, you can't alter this world. Well, you kind of can't because of how, you know, dedicated Lord of the Rings fans are, right? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Oh, here's another thing. Lord of the Rings came out with a new edition called Middle-Earth Fantasy, but that's literally, it was just like 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 uh, Corvus Belly, right? Like Infinity, except even less. They like literally just cleaned up the system and cleaned up the rules and everything like that. I won't say it hurt, but it didn't make a huge bump i don't think i think yeah. it, it's helped allowed middle earth to sell consistently as a small game but it's kind of crazy i that lord of the rings is getting dominated by like song of ice and fire mm-hmm. yeah. i don't know especially after like one the show went badly in the end yeah it's like oh it's recent and people love it it's like yeah it's recent but people like got pissed <laughs> off by it and yes yeah. exactly and Song of Ice and Fire continues to survive. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but Middle Earth, maybe if Middle Earth, like, well, honestly, the, the show comes out, maybe they'll they'll try and do a new push. Maybe. The Mantras and Lord of the Rings, I think, are better, though. Or, sorry, the Mantras and the Game of Thrones game, I by far prefer. That is true. I think that's one of the issues, is that the Lord of the Rings is true 28 millimeter, as in, like, they're all shorter than the normal miniatures now. And mm-hmm. I think that was that had something to do with licensing as well, because they didn't want some sort of com- competition with the other ones. And I think that actually hurts Lord of the Rings from becoming a bigger game. If if literally if the models were bigger, the game would be bigger. <laughs> yeah, people, people just have new expectations of like 32 millimeters to the eye is your standard guy. Anything else is just like <laughs> weenie. I think 30 is is about right to the eye, but like oh yeah. The 32 start getting really big, but yeah, now like that Marvel Crisis Protocol is like 35 millimeter, and and people are really loving it. So yeah, that's that's almost like yeah, pretty sub, big. It's almost like sub skirmish. We we may talk about sub skirmish at some point, which is like below 10 guys, I would say. 
Anyhow. Yep. All, All right. right. So I don't want to stay on 40K, but going to other games that made like very minor changes. I think Gaslands, lots of people bought uh-huh. the new edition and they, he wasn't even willing to call it a new edition. So there's a whole yeah. new book. Whole it's new almost book. like just fleshed out. Yeah. No, they, he completely said this is just like cleanup points tweaking. But because the game wasn't really like an online release, it has, it's meant to be. Uh-huh paid for because there's nothing else to pay for you just buy hot wheels cars or whatever you feel like buying in order to like make any money off of releasing the game it has to just be sold so all the tweaks that people were probably asking for and all the things that were out of balance just had to be dealt with as a whole new release and they were upfront about the fact that that's what it was but people people appreciate it and they paid for it so Yep, that's definitely true they also expanded a whole bunch of things oh there weren't quite enough missions in the original there were not enough mission and there were there are now i don't think they nec- and they, they didn't need as many factions i don't know did the original book have factions it did there i don't think there were as many though but not as many right there's a whole bunch of factions and sometimes i think there's too many factions in the new book yeah but that, that may have just been adding for the sake of trying to feel like there's more content but yeah but no that was but there that was is a- there's a lot of content in that game it's mm-hmm. quite good yeah, i just didn't have enough content in the first edition and as we said before, like the best version is when players demand changes, which people have figured out some certain weapons you could put in your cars were a little unbalanced. And that feedback got included and people supported it and paid yeah. for the new edition. Yeah. And, and I just want to be clear, like the your clientele know when something is wrong or when something is missing. They don't know what to put in, right? So they no. demanded changes. They didn't know what, what needed to be done really. Or, or, but well, they demanded they wanted more stuff, and so you know the the developers went in and put in what was right for those things, right? But yeah. you can also have problems, right? When you do that, for example, here, here's one that actually did not succeed on its uh, changeover. Mm-hmm. Um, X-wing, X-wing one to X-wing two. Yeah. Yeah. So, what would you say were the complaints? So they I, did I put in a lot of change. Mm-hmm. there's too much stuff yep there's too much stuff too many cards too many things happening that that were 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 inter interceding right um too much cruft basically right especially x-wing had this way to sell things using expandable cards right you know like because it's made by fantasy flight and fantasy flight was originally like a board game kind of maker slash card games right so they're like oh buy these ships just for the cards right for the for the upgrade card so you can use on the ships that you already own and that bottled. did not they improved slightly by no no longer forcing you to buy the opposing faction to then throw the mentor in the garbage and just keep the card because it's <laughs> yes. of no use to somebody else on like once you've taken the card nobody else wants the ship for that faction because they need the card too so they, yep. they at least went they went one stage back from that but probably not far enough away from forcing you to buy yeah. things just for the sake of getting so, like so so do you think so i think here's one thing i think it the, the launch failed right the the launch to 2.0 failed now now x-wing 2.0 is like still alive right it's still doing okay but mm-hmm. it's not doing nearly as well as one one was now the question is is that a normal tra- trajectory was it just like inevitable because you know you have the hotness and x-wing one just overstayed its welcome in some ways or 
was it a changeover to two or was it actually the rules changes and changes to the game? Do you think that affected it? Well, I don't think the core of the game changed all that much. I just think they didn't respond enough to the, the problems in the game. So I, I think there were some things that they messed up with too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they didn't cut enough. If you look at the way, like as much as we, I think we've talked about this before, right? We always complain. We used to complain about Games Workshop uh, when they released new codexes uh, for our armies uh, for Warhammer 40,000. They would remove miniatures entirely to keep, you know, the, the line uh, in check. And it was really about what they wanted to sell, right? So they did. They wanted to remove things they didn't want to sell anymore, right? Because if they're low sellers or things like that. Um, but it kept the game in check. X-Wing 2.0 on release had so much content and they wanted to be ready on launch they said you were uh, that it launch. was, yep. yeah, they tried to streamline it, right? It's the exact same thing that Infinity did, right? But I think they failed. And in fact, they made certain things more complicated. Like the, it was ostensibly to make things easier to use, but in doing so, they made certain things even more complicated. Like an X-Wing used to, you know, it used to have a dial that was not like, it was the, one of the first ships, so it did not have enough of uh, boosters and things that it could do. Uh, but on 2.0, they added an ability to change different settings in X in, for your X-Wing. So your X-Wing can have your hydrofoils like x or straight, right? Mm-hmm in X mode or in straight mode. And that changed what the ship could do. That's your first ship that you buy when you play the game. That's mm-hmm. making it more complicated. And the question is like, ostensibly 2.0 was to clean up the game. You're supposed maybe, to be cutting maybe, down the, the details. Maybe they wanted more X-wing. But they made it more complicated. I'm fine with the X-Wing being complicated, like even though it's in the base, the base game, because maybe they wanted to have the game like look like there's a whole bunch of x-wings flying around and make people want to use them so i'm okay with that but it's just having every i I don't think so i think making them good and useful uh like they did make the model actually be able to close its x-wings which is cool but here's the thing Uh you don't have to give it extra rules to make it cool you just have to make it more powerful yeah right you you didn't have to give the add-on an extra rule that is not in that is hardly used in X-Wing just to make your X-Wing cooler, right? Just so that there's a reason to close it and, and do whatever. In fact, it's almost cooler if that's just a cool miniature thing and your your X-Wing just does whatever it needs to at the time. Because mm-hmm. that has a better dial and it has better stats. Well, I think the bigger issue is just that you can play with so many, like there's just too many miniatures out there available to use. Like you just have this analysis paralysis because you can only take like a couple ships, but there's just a ridiculous number of ships in the range. So they need to, have <laughs> broke, they need to have broken that down somehow that either when you play a game, you play in an era or give you some sort of bonus for playing in a particular era or just like get rid of a bunch of ships. Like something had to be done to well, do that. They did get rid of some pilots. Yeah. So there is that, but like obviously not enough. And like I said, they thought because they simplified it and, and, and pared things down, they could get away with adding more complication in certain spots. And I think they were wrong. I think it was already bloated. And I think they should have just concentrated on cutting more. And 
of course I can say this now because you know X-Men didn't do well, but mm-hmm. like, <laughs> proof's in the pudding. You were you said it before, now you're just yeah, you're... and there's a reason why I stopped playing it. So mm-hmm. I bought the booster packs packs to upgrade them, but I just like after playing it, I was like, yeah, this is yeah. So I guess that's like I don't even know how that addition change was driven. Like what 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 would, what did they respond to? Like they cleaned it a little. But... It being too complicated. That's the thing. They needed to oh. clean the game up and do these things, and they didn't do a good job. They made they it still it. kept it way too complicated. And you could argue that the addition change was to clean things up. Uh, and even though it didn't necessarily like kill the game or make the game worse, mm-hmm. it did not solve the problem they were trying to do, trying yeah. to solve, and the inherent change over of an addition means that uh means that you still lose if if the game is functionally has the same all the same problems as the previous edition almost all the same problems there's some things that were cleaned up like turrets and stuff like that um then why did you change editions right yeah, if the so game has all the problems of the previous edition yeah no so maybe it came across as a marketing driven thing just to sell people stuff it didn't come across yep. as like the players have demanded this we've we've made these changes and improved the game. It came across as, oh, we just want to sell you like a new set of like damage cards and sell you some new like X-Wings with folding wings. It came across as like a yeah. sale thing and it didn't come across as, yeah, we've we've tried to like take your feedback and make a better version yeah. of the game. So, And the upgrade packs, you have to buy upgrade packs for your old ships and those were hella big, hell expensive. Mm-hmm. So it and kind then, of divided, I think, the community, and so just a lot of the community just drifted off. It's yeah, kind of so like the Age of Sigmar thing, almost, except that it came across as much clear cut. Yeah, because Age of Sigmar is like we're offering you a whole new game. I'm sure, we killed the old one. Even as a different name. Yeah, I know. You don't name. have to play it if you don't want to, but we killed your previous games. So. <laughs> and X one because it's so like competitive driven, like you're expected to play the newest version of everything. And it just felt like a money grab because of them not making yep. the changes. Anyhow, so it came. All right. All right. Other other games. Yeah, I, I don't think. think yep. Yeah, other games I don't think made enough changes would be War Machine Hordes as well. That they were getting. Okay, feedback. This is interesting. They were getting the exact same feedback. I think there's just too much stuff. Hmm. By just new players not joining anymore. What like it should be clear to you as a game maker if new players you don't get any more new blood because just the barrier to entry has gotten too high. That should be the clear signal to the game maker. Okay, you got to cut the game back. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not like, actually. That's a, that's a good point. Here, the thing is, the war machine, war machine like core group, mm-hmm. in somewhat some way survived the change over to three yeah, because the change the bigger one. problem was yeah. they could not get new blood in anymore. Yep, because they didn't like they got the feedback and like, oh, we should like simplify a few things because that's what we're asked for. But they same thing as X Wing. I don't think they did what was necessary to to bring in to make it so in this so, new blood. Yeah. So in some ways, this is like the opposite of you know our premise, right? It's how much. How much change should you do uh, because your game is broken? <laughs> mm-hmm. And you're like, oh man, this edition has broken the game through the weight of just added stuff. You need to do bigger changes. And the X-Wing 2 and uh, War Machine 3 did not do enough of those changes. They kind of uh, 
what I guess the fundamental portions, even though the, the, the mechanics of the game are cleaned up, right? In both of them, right? Yep. Everything that was, not everything, but a lot of the broken things are the, the most damaging in terms of gameplay things in the previous versions were fixed. The fundamental issues of just bloat was not. And that kind of hurt both, right? And, and the, the reason why that hurts is it doesn't actually hurt people who are know deep into your game right who are experts at your game and who've been played who play it every week multiple times it hurts the new player who walks in and says this game is too complicated i don't even want to start it i can never learn this uh-huh yeah and if you can't hook new people your game is on a clock right yeah i'm surprised infinity didn't like cut back much of the, the crazy number of models out there but fortunately it's like easier to learn what an infinity model does and there aren't as many on the board and yeah. they don't do as many crazy things. So the fact that there's so many doesn't like, they're all kind of doing, it's like mostly comes down to what well, the weapon is and like a couple of small things. So like models don't have that many rules to them and they don't have that many special rules each. So like the fact that there's they have a quite a few actually, hmm? but they're there. They actually have quite a few. Yeah. I think infinity has a couple of things that is helping it they realized it was too complicated for new people. And so they did create a code one. Mm -hmm. And if you see some, some of the, the people that are getting in, they do try out code one first. Yep. And even though I think code one, if you just add in suppressive fire, it is a, in many ways, I think a better game than N4 in terms of just completeness, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's a great, you know, training grounds to, to step people up well, right? It's a full game that you can play and, and enjoy. Yeah. And I don't know. to help new blood, right? So they had that, they, they in some ways created a sister game that helps you feed people into N4, which is, I think, quite smart. Mm -hmm. Yep. For, for a game they know is becoming, is complicated. They had to figure out some way to deal yeah. with it, which... It's an interesting way of dealing with it. And in some ways, sectorials is the same kind of thing, right? It's like you, you, know, don't you have these out. factions, but yeah, if you if it's too many, look at a sectorial. It's a much smaller number of models and just choose from that. And they're also releasing a lot more like group packs where like you don't know how to start Infinity, just buy this box, right? Yeah, this huge. Although started... I guess War Machine and X-Wing, well, War Machine did the same thing, but mm -hmm. didn't work. Yep. So yeah, now they've done some things to keep the complexity down of that, but War Machine did yeah. like almost nothing to fix the the barrier to entry problem. Well, the the bloat was way bigger in War Machine as well, right? Oh yeah, because the, the number of special rules and, compared to other games is really like it's all about the special rules on your models. So that and like, how they interact, which mm -hmm. is the issue. Like if you Infinity, a lot of it is like gameplay right on the table which is why it's so good it's all about ta mostly about tactical gameplay and less about like crazy and, and mm -hmm. it's less about crazy army building right you can make a obviously there are certain armies that are stronger than others right it still matters but it matters a lot less than in let's say warhammer 40,000 or in uh war machine war machine is the most and the problem with selling a box of war machine is that your army probably sucks right and compared to like a tuned competitive list right and so mm -hmm. when you sell a, a newbie a cool 
box and then they go to the store and they get raffle stomped by this like super optimized list that does all sorts of crazy shenanigans they're not going to come back they're like oh this this game sucks and in some ways it does suck right you don't want to have to force the person like new players to have to learn the entire super complicated interconnected web of your game before they can have fun games right Mm -hmm. And so just the way War Machine was was built in that way just got too big for the majority of people to enjoy the game. It's made it like 3.0, even though it was pared down and cleaned up, it was still made for like a very tiny group of ultra competitive, like janky card game players who like, you know, interactions and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, well, not enough changes. So it didn't even feel marketing. All right. Like like other games, like oh, that was a marketing driven change. With War Machine, it's just like you guys just failed to deliver what anyone asked for. Like you didn't yeah, even feel really like weird that it, it did so it bad. Ask, it didn't ask Honestly, for Honestly, the stuff. art was cool. Yeah, I actually like the changeover in graphic design and art, mm-hmm. but not enough. Actually, but when it changed over, I was one of the people that was still willing to play third edition for much longer than other people. Well, a lot of the factions they released, like the new factions, was we talked about before, no, about like about getting a lot of like positive feedback from the new edition, and they could probably build on that. I think the new factions they put out for War Machine, like the what are the Twilight Sisters, the Grimkin, you have the Grimkin, even like when we were still playing the Convergence of Cyrus, they just lost goodwill by putting out those factions. It's like, ew, That's I don't true. want to see this on the table. I just don't want to. Yeah, yeah it didn't like, oh, match the rest of the aesthetics, right? You already had the weird, like, futuristic faction and, like, the one weird faction, which is the owls, right? You're like, oh, owls, okay, they're futuristic, but they're the only one. Oh, wait, no, there's another one called Convergence of Cyrus. And you're like, really? You're doubling up on the same themes of it yeah. being, like, the super futuristic. Also, Signar was kind of futuristic and got more futuristic. Yeah, and when Grim like, came out, people were just like, oh, you just ripped off Malifaux. Like, they didn't get any good yes. help by putting out these new by putting out new stuff, so they, they just yep. alienated their player base. So. And then they tried it again slightly better with the demons coming out. Mm-hmm. We'll see. But honestly, the demons seem like, I don't know whether War Machine meant for it to be but war machine with like the grim kit the 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 demons coming right it's supposed to be a world ending kind of thing where everyone says that so basically in the story wise i haven't really followed it do you follow the story of war machine no so the demons came out even though you follow the miniatures it's funny Mm -hmm. um because you know the the miniatures are sometimes still good so the in the story uh which they did not touch which is actually still really good in my opinion um, except there were well, um, except for the fact that the the because it's character focused, the characters didn't die, and that was annoying because it didn't feel real when all of your characters were running around and none of them die. Um, uh, in the story, the demons come, and actually they do kind of kill a whole bunch of things and do push the story forward and almost destroy Imarin, right? The, all the good, all the factions, except that the gods basically decide to send their avatars to save the humans from the the from the demons right and that's how they end up not dying um which is fine it's fine right and i think a lot of people actually die um it's almost like the 
<laughs> whether or not they wanted to, it was almost like the uh, the end times in Warhammer Fantasy. Because after that, the game is dead. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't willing to change the edition over years. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Maybe they'll do it once the demons come back. They're like, oh, we're, we destroyed the old rules. Who knows? Maybe they're... They basically did. I don't know. Like, the game is now super small in terms of its release. Like, no one really buys it, right? Even though yeah, it has so much stuff, it's selling to a very small group of people. Yeah, the release yeah. schedule used to be like a whole bunch of models a month. Now it's way, way lower. Yeah, actually, I think... In some ways, it's good that Privateer Press expanded out to different different uh, games. I think Monster Apocalypse is doing decent. They have their, their other games. So they're still chucking along, and they still might survive. But I don't I don't know. Their uh, War Machine thing really screwed them. Yes, I don't even know how to categorize that. The, their <laughs> three edition. Just yeah, I, I, yeah, I think it was just not, not changing enough. Mm-hmm. It was an I attempt to one of those not changing enough things. It was an attempt to clean up and then just like a failure to do it. It's declaring large changes, which will actually a lot of people wanted, mm-hmm. but not following through. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, any change or addition, you're going to lose some people, right? Because you know it's a perfect time for people who are already tired of your game to step off. But then if you just rebrand it so those people step off, step off, and then you don't make the game better, then you disappoint the other people that you're hoping to win over with that 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 addition change mm-hmm. all right so i think there's only one right. more I really want to mention do you have all right let's skip kill team yeah let's just go oh. straight to it oh i was going to mention kill team because it was a huge it was a huge change what that's not the one I, let's skip kill team. We don't, we don't go straight to the big daddy talk about kill team too much for how much it deserves it doesn't deserve right. our attention for what it gets <laughs> Uh, I don't think it worked. Let, uh, let me just leave it at that. Yeah. Watch Although the previous game was kind of dead, so the, the current one I don't think is doing that well either. Yeah, so exactly. the Big Daddy, the one that we've talked a little bit about, we mentioned, but we haven't talked about, Warhammer 40,000. Oh, I've managed to forget that exists by liquidating all my models. <laughs> safe. <laughs> Huge change. Well, here's the thing. There have been nine editions of Warhammer 40,000 and we uh-huh. have played through, or maybe we have played through many different edition changes. Uh-huh. So, you know, when we were young, the first big change was second to third edition. This was a huge change, an entirely new rule set. Why did it work? Because second edition was pretty popular, but third edition blew up in a good way. Mm-hmm. Well, second edition, you had all sorts of crazy tables going on and stuff like that. And like third edition felt really streamlined. So Mm -hmm. a much cleaner game, but also it expanded the size. It's like in many ways, it's just a different game with the same setting and same name. Mm -hmm. Like the way so many things change right the armor save changed the way things damaged i guess the damage is kind of the same but it's basically just how how the movement was all just based on your stat wasn't it it's all everyone moves six inches might have been unless you are like a jump pack or whatever they move 12 might have been yeah it was that was part of the streamlining. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think there was like well, random charges either. I think it was you move six inches and you charge another six. Yeah, and the whole way tanks moved, I believe, changed as well. Yep. And the armor 
I think the, maybe the AV, AV of tanks stayed a little bit more similar, but the way that the infantry changed and the size of the game changed. Mm-hmm. You went from like, what, like 20 models in the first one to like 30 or 40, maybe even 50. Yeah, it was, it was got pretty Or 60. Yeah, because 1,500 points became sort of standard and it was quite a lot of guys. Yep. And it was a lot bigger and just people were cheaper, right? Units mm-hmm. were cheaper. So like you had a lot more guys and that was a conscious decision, right? To move it into a larger scale game from a more, you know, skirmishy, skirmish-ish kind of game, right? From second mm-hmm. edition. So it worked though. Yeah, it worked. Why did it work on us? I think because the armies just looked good on the board with that many things going on. I think it's oh, okay. It, it became a mass battle game, and it looked like it looked cool as a mass battle game. So, like, because the guys aren't super detailed individually, so being like, oh, I can check uh-huh. out every cool little space marine. It's like, yeah, they're uh-huh. not that detailed. Just like they look cool as an army, yeah. as opposed to like individually. So the whole thing just had and having more tanks on the board, it felt like a giant battle. So. Instead of just one tank, basically, or one walker, or one tank kind of thing, yep. you multiple. Because so rules, I guess the other thing is, yeah, go on. The rules were never super strategic, so having like only a couple guys on the board to focus on the strategy, like that didn't matter so much. It was just about pew pew. There was not enough strategy. Yeah. So because the game is about pew pew, just having lots of guys going like pew pew, rolling lots of dice having more guys on the board just well, also of... you add more strategy the more guys you add because now you have just the interlocking strategy even if the yeah. inter inter squad strategy is not a big deal when you have the ability to pincer attack concentrate fire move around it suddenly becomes a much bigger uh more important thing right yeah so the rule set just kind of works as a works as a rank and flank game it's not a rank and flank right it was a blob game no was... rank and flank is like you know you have special rules for for flanking a guy and hitting them from the side. Mm-hmm. Generally, you charge straight. Yeah, but um, game. yeah, I think so. Um, I think also there was not as much of an entrenchment of players on second edition. Like that was during the the good young days, right? Of Warhammer Forty Thousand. I don't think people had entrenched as much in terms of their mental energy in the edition and the way that the game played at that time. Because yeah, you you hadn't bought as many figures either with it being a smaller game. Mm-hmm. yeah the and thing is second edition i don't remember it being people being burnt out on second when third edition came out i think it was just exciting to have a new edition and be like wow this is really different and if you look at second edition versus first edition it's it's quite different as well right we didn't play first edition but like there was a decent amount of changes and so maybe it was just the norm when you change over to a new edition at that time to make the game significantly different mm-hmm. and now I mean, here's the thing is that just mentality continued even though it doesn't necessarily make sense anymore i don't know i uh, know fourth fifth were the same system but just cleaned up mm-hmm. now this is the one we're talking about mainly where you they, they basically i think fourth made se- some sense right you need to clean up some rules in third edition right yep. um right there were just certain things that that they realized didn't quite work. For example, like Force March, which actually came out in an errata book for in third edition, because you know everyone just moves six inches. But if there's no one to fight, they can just get stuck, right? Especially against slower armies, uh, faster armies like like Eldar, which can fly around in in, in vehicles. 
mm-hmm. and move super fast. If you have a slow marching army and you just get stuck in one side and you can't do anything. So they added a, a forced march. I think they added running so you can move a D6, mm-hmm. random charges, sweeping advances, just cleaning up some of those rules, right? That made some sense. And I think that like it's almost like N3 to N4 kind of thing, right? Cleaning up those rules. Um, and that continued until sixth and seventh. Did you play sixth? No, I, I tapered off after fifth. Okay. Yeah. So, so same thing with me. Um, sixth and seventh apparently just got too bloated, right? This, that's the issue where we're talking about, you know, you know, like uh, War Machine and like X Wing, where they created a new edition, but it was mostly to like rehype and, and things. But they didn't clean up the fundamental issues of the system. Was that the game had had grown so so much so far away from the original vision that it start the things that were growing outside of them just to make things keep things interesting were basically cancerous at this point and damaging the core of the system and against the core of the system so that you know it really started hurting the game and you could kind of see it with the rise of games like war machine and then infinity and malfo and all these other games that were that people were like you know i don't want to play 40k oh and then you know fantasy died as well so they're like oh let's try all these other games uh and so it had encompassed you know basically all these editions kind of did what all of the things all these other kind of games did right um like every edition is a different thing, right? The first one is like a change that was successful, right? Second to third. And yep. then you had third and fourth, which is just cleaning up, which was well. And then you had six and seven, which was was not doing enough changes to make the game too bloated, right? And seventh edition actually had some bad changes. Uh, and then- An eighth edition came out and just had the compendium. So the game was nice and compact. Yeah, that's it. that's what I was gonna say. Is that eighth edition? They're like, you know what? Let's let's do it again. Let's clean up the game, change it significantly, and try to build it back from the ground up. And I think in every spot that they built it back from the ground up, it worked mostly. But a lot of the legacy systems that they kind of ported over ended up following them around. I think we talked about the fact that they're um, so they had a new AP system. Like so, that's like armor penetration versus armor. It's just like attack versus defense kind of thing, right? Systems, yeah. um, but they, but that was not the broken part of six and seven. The broken part of six and seven's uh, AP system is that there was it was like an arms race where where like ru- rules writers that were writing like powerful weapons wanted their weapons to destroy all the armor, and rules writers who were writing armor tried to make their armor resist even better so that they resisted the weapons and it just built up so that you have like death destroying weapons always being fired and like with super armors but like the weapons always seem to outshine the armors right yeah so that started off fine in eighth but if you look now i feel like it's the same kind of issue that's going right now with ninth edition that ninth edition released and they cleaned up a bunch of small things but the fundamental problems of this their core systems is that they constantly try to one up each like try to make their weapons more and more powerful to make them more and more cool and then they Mm -hmm. have to make their units more and more tough but it's literally just like stat inflation yeah they recently uh it's like they built in the thing where people demand changes like oh we're going to break our own game so much (laughs) that people demand a new edition yes (laughs) maybe that's smart 
Yeah, I Maybe know. that's an idea. Maybe <laughs> 10 editions is going to be... 10 is a very nice number. Oh, my God. That would be brilliant. If they're like, ninth edition, yeah, let's just make this shitty and go like, just throw everything in. And then by the time 10th edition rolls around, we're going to make it the biggest thing. We're going to have a giant X on the cover. It's going to be so cool. Everyone loves Xs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. That would be brilliant if they did that. Yeah, well, but ninth edition, just as an example of the the brain rot that's happening right now. So uh, a lot of the weapons have become super powerful in terms of armor penetration. So they started giving invulnerable saves to everyone. So like literally everyone's getting invulnerable saves, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and you're like, okay, so that I guess that kind of balances it, but then it kind of begs the question why do why did you give everyone so much ap if you're going to give everyone also invulnerable says at a lower level like it's almost like you should have just had that as a basic thing right where you have a minimum save from depending how, how good your save is well guess what they just released in the new codexes things to defeat the invulnerables duh yes there's a bunch of weapons that ignore vulnerable saves and you're just like oh my god why are you doing this <laughs> Do you even know what your game is meant to be? Yeah, well, I have a guess that the 10th edition won't be a major overhaul. It'll just be fixing the things. Because <laughs> it looks like they intentionally vandalized their own game. Just to yeah. get the demand. So, to, so, it looks like a, so it looks like they're doing the first thing and taking feedback. But in reality, mm-hmm. they're, they're creating it on their own. So it's a marketing tactic, but people just don't see it for what it is. Yeah, it does make me wonder if it's just marketing led. They're like, well, you know what we do? Just every edition, just raise the strength and toughness of all of the characters slowly, one by one, throughout the entire line. That'll get people in. Just break break our own game, and then people will demand it, and then they'll pay us. Yeah. Yeah. It's yep. They're, they're that nefarious. So now for a while, they don't have to listen to our podcast to know how how new editions get brought about. They. They're on freaking yep. the ninth edition. They know how new editions get made. Yep, that's that's how we know about how editions work and whether they do or do not work. It's from seeing all the things that they've done. All right, so I think we've gone through basically most of the games. Do you feel like we have some sort of handle on like what, how you thread that needle of making sure that the games, uh, new editions changes are, are are just enough but not too much? Did no, we go talk about all of the, the, the changes that, that were catastrophic were, were like basically they changed it so much as a new game, right? And the new game just didn't hit. No, I think some of the catastrophic is if the game's on the decline and you don't make uh-huh. major changes, that's also yeah. catastrophic. Like, so it almost feels like though from, from the list that we actually had, the, the second one, right, not changing enough seems like a bigger deal. It seems like a more risky gambit than changing too much, surprisingly enough. Yeah, well, yeah, if your game's on the decline, then, well, it's different. Like, if your game's on the level, if your game's on the level, do a uh-huh. cleanup. If your game's on the decline, you have to shake it up. Like, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like, I guess that's why when the game is doing well, they don't shake it up a lot because they're like, why would I change it? People love it, right? Mm-hmm. It's working well. Then they yeah. just don't do it. But the, the bigger problem, the thing that people often miss is actually your game needs a bigger change than you're willing to do. 
and that concluded game. Yeah, which I guess makes that's sense. It's interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought that's our conclusion when we started this podcast. Well, we kind of started talking about Infinity, and they they basically did a cleanup, but maybe they want to do more and change the teams up too. But they knew the game wasn't like the game wasn't in the position to need a giant shakeup. So they just did a little yeah. bit and they're gonna do a little bit more. And like the end result may be a giant shakeup, but they know like that's yeah, not from the beginning to the end, yeah. From the whole change will be a big shakeup, but they know yeah. that what they like the game's not in the position they're not to scaring need off people. Yeah. Well, they're, they're not, not going to try to yeah, so. risk scaring people off. Mm-hmm. That's fair. All right. All right. Uh, so that's it. Change your game if you're dying and don't change it that much if it's working. Pretty simple, apparently. Yeah. All right. Uh, if you have any thoughts about game changes, maybe you have a game that uh, where we didn't talk about that that you think that has a very interesting interaction with how the game changed and how the player base reacted to us uh, mm-hmm. to it. Uh, why don't you contact us at contact at diceovereverything.com. Yeah, or find our other podcasts or find us at Dice Over Everything on Facebook. Or if you want to let us know there, we're Dice Over Everything Group. And just give us a post. This has been Alan. It's been Brandon. Bye.